This is the Incremental Gains Podcast, helping you to improve on yesterday, every day. This episode is brought to you by Maximum Edge CIC. Maximum Edge CIC works alongside communities to build relationships with people and organisations to identify common concerns and help provide workshops of informal learning, which will help to increase lifestyle management. For more information, go to MaximumEdgeCIC.org.uk. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Um, Today I've got um, Dave Sheridan, Director of Max Edge and Chief Exec of Executive Solutions. Good morning, mate. How are we doing? Good morning. It sounds very posh. Thank you very much for the titles. <laughs> there's that many of them. I know, yeah. You know I've got a, there's a few that you can't mention on this podcast as well, mate. Don't worry about it. So what I want to do today is I want to sort of, I've structured it. I want to get a, a bit of a brief sort of overview where you are now with yep. both, both companies. Yes. And sort of the work that you're doing. And then we'll look a little bit at your background, stuff that's made, made you the person you are today. And then we'll look into the future and what, what the future holds in store for you. Good. So, yeah. first of all, just tell us a little bit about who Dave Sheridan is. In, in coaching, people talk about journeys and God knows what, you know, different, different areas of journeys and stuff. Starting exec, executive solutions. I couldn't believe, I've been in teaching for, for, for 15 years and I've worked for the home office and I've done a lot around youth and community work and around specialising initially with offenders and young people. I couldn't believe that when I looked in business, the structures wasn't there. Mm. A lot of the MDs that I, that I came across early on in, in exec's life, um, they, they didn't have structure. Um, obviously, well, they, they didn't have a coach, yeah. but not because of a coach. They just didn't have the structures that we put in place probably all the way through to, to, from the home office and working with young offenders, giving them the tools to change Right. And to cope with those stresses and strains at the time. When I was going into businesses, the MDs basically sitting there who's successful and not got any of that. Mm. So, so I saw massive opportunity to actually introduce that to MDs so they can be better. Now, in the private sector, they, they look at the top line and, and the profit margins. Yeah. But a lot of people, you can have both. So I didn't just focus on um, on the top line and, and coming in, saving your money on sickness and all the other stuff that I've heard of coaches mm. over the years. It was more around who are you as a person? Have you got, what's your family like? Yeah. Um, are, are you aligned? Have you got, are you, when you're at home with, you, with your wife and your family, are, are you there? Or is this thing called your business all threaded all the way through your life? Mm. And when do you get away from it? And then ask the question, when do you go back in so that you can really perform right. and not feel that you're burned out and you're stopping almost the metaphor, you're stopping the, the, the tide coming in with sand. Yeah. You know, so yeah. so that's what I noticed initially with Exec. It was quite positive and very popular. Um, probably within six months of, of me saying I was going to go self-employed and everybody telling me don't and everybody saying don't do it, don't do it, um, I did. <laughs> and, and then the um, I got my first corporate contract which was coaching MD, uh, coaching uh, group sessions around the teamwork ethic, and right. around the reasons why people, and the way people display under pressure. The MD let me in on, it was a manufacturing company, he let me in on, uh, he, he just signed a contract 
that in six months' time they were doubling right. their output. Yeah. So he knew from a team leader point of view, and he knew from um, a lot of the the coaches that staff were going to struggle. That staff right. were going to struggle. Their, their workload was going to go up. Yeah. They were going to take on two more teams. There were going to be different mixes of individuals in there. And there were going to be promotions. Uh, there were going to be new faces in at the bottom level. Uh, and he wanted that continuity of, of performance, really. Right. So that it didn't explode in his face, yeah. to quote him. So do you class yourself as a life coach, business coach? Is that what you see yourself as? Or? I, I mean, we'll, we'll go into it later on, but I don't know. That's, right. that's, the, that's <laughs> the funniest thing about yeah. it. Um, again, with exec, I've gone to the, the referral networking circuit... And I was quite embarrassed to a point where I walk in and I didn't want to label myself. Mm-hmm. So when I say to people, when people ask me what I do, I work with personal development at all yeah. levels. I think the word coach is a trigger. And I think the trigger for a lot of people listening to the word coach can be positive and negative depending on how their experiences. Yeah. But also as well, um, from what direction they've got it from, which again, we'll go into later on. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. So we've spoken a little bit about the corporate side of it yes. you've also got Max Edge as well can you explain know, yeah. the sort of difference between the two <clears throat> again I think it sums me up <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's a bit it's very diverse Max Edge was born out of executive solutions really right. I've got the accountant to thank for that <laughs> basically I was going in I've always worked in the third sector so previously I've mentioned about working with the home office and I've worked a lot with charities and, and I've always worked in that sort of what we call the third sector and I wanted to carry that on, to be honest. I didn't want to just go and, and be Mr. Corporate and Mr. Sleek Suit. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's a bit a massive grounding for people when you start working in different areas of the mm. community. Now, that brings back a lot of the youth and community background I've got. Yeah. And certainly the home office stuff around working with offenders and looking at the family environment and the cause and effect and, and all that. So I wanted to keep that. And I think that's one of the beauties of being self-employed because you can. Yeah. It was just when. It was how we get the vehicle right. How do I get my mindset right? But also as well, building up um, the support around me yeah. so that I can be released to either go and end up, and again, we'll talk about it later on, go, go and end up with my suit on, or my posh jeans, as I call it, or, <laughs> or go and, and either get on a football field or a rugby field with people or sit with a, with a homeless person. Yeah. So that sort of diversity, that's what I wanted. With Max Edge, <clears throat> initially we wanted to work and make a difference. I got the management committee together. We had a strong direction and a strong view of what we wanted. Um, we did it voluntary for the first 12 months because we wanted to do it. Um, and we, we sort of we hit on bids and bid writing. Basically, Max Edge is a community interest company. Okay. Um, it's, it, it's important that we're being seen to put things back either back into the community via donations and sponsorships or back as regards pro bono work, mm. free work, where we can turn up and offer the expertise of the corporate level but in the areas of charities. Yeah, I noticed, certainly when you look at the political arena um, over the last couple of years, local authorities sadly have been, have been slashed through no fault of their own. But what that's done is create um, a lot of a lot of gaps in the third sector. So with some of the research that we looked in for, what we looked into, um, 
we sampled 10 charities in our local northwest area mm-hmm. and every single one of them over a two-year period previous now had volunteers doing what paid staff were doing two oh, years right. ago yeah so on the front line on the face of it um they had volunteers the service carried on but the quality of what the service users were receiving i would question purely because there were volunteers and they were untrained mm. so we, we decided to put a package together for that to look at uh, how we how we challenge that but also how we empower yeah so we did a lot of work with the volunteers upskilling volunteers we did a lot of work with some of the some of the characters who run the charities and management committees around trying to change their mindset of more business minded yeah um, action plans two three four year forecasts which again is me and my corporate world but bring it into the into yeah. The, uh, yeah into into that world and, and that's how it how it was born really um, since then I've, I've always done sports I've loved sports so we, we've all we, I wanted to keep a section of it for sports yeah. which is personal performance again no difference when you sit down with somebody who's homeless with the with the theories there's no difference sitting down with with a corporate exec yeah when you look at that type of, of work it's just picking it up and putting it in a different environment isn't it it is, yeah. and and I think the delivery method's completely different, yeah. but the theory behind it is the same. Yeah, but that's that that was the initial challenge with Max Edge. Yeah, so that we we don't go in overboard, um, and obviously it, it things and it goes over people's heads without patronising because there's a, my experience of it. There's a lot of intelligent individuals out there in that mm. third sector who've been to the university of life, yeah. rather than the academic universities. Yeah. So their coping strategies and their questioning are far more critical than I've ever met in a boardroom because it's their life. Yeah. You know? So I think that, as a person, for me, grounds me. Yeah. keeps me, gives me a balance, gives me a balance yeah. across the two. It's good you touched on that, because I was going to get you to talk a little bit about is there a difference between the engagement of the corporate clients and the clients when you're working for, for charities in, in the third sector? I, I think... <clears throat> There's there's definitely more willing from from Max Edge's clients right. to welcome people in and help. There's not the ego there. Right, yeah. I think um, with with MDs and a lot of the corporate work that I do, it's a massive step for somebody to, to basically sit there at the desk and go, I need help with this. Yeah. So if you've built something from scratch and it's either a high skill that you've got or, or it's a mixture of a high skill qualifications, environments. Can you give us difficult. an example then? Sorry to interrupt you. Can no, you give no. us an example? Might be putting you on the spot. No, here, no, but no, no, no. How would you break down that barrier then initially? If you, if you go and see a, a corporate client and they're, they're a little bit like, their ego's in the way, they're not yeah, be willing yeah. to be coached or whatever. How would you sort of break down them barriers? I asked the question about, a lot of people talk in tenses. So a lot of people will say, when I did, I have done. Or they'll speak about where I want to go and what I want to do. What I try and do is, is bring them back into the here and now. Right. So, and that's done purely by questioning. I think a lot of the questions that you ask, um, I would direct a lot of questions around sacrifice lists, around what what are the personal sacrifice lists that you've got. Mm. So we know about your business and the problems you've got in your business, but how does how does that bleed into your life? Because you've got your business here and you want to grow. Have you got the individuals around you? Have you done a skills analysis? Do you understand what you need to do and where you need to go? But also as well, you've only got one head. So yeah. so how much of it how much of it goes in there? 
Um, and how much of the balance is there for when you're on your own with your family, or you're on your own for yourself? Yeah, you know. So, so I think for me, it, it's it is different. Um, I suppose the short answer to your question is to is to question, but question in an intelligent way, mm. which for me comes down to communication. Yeah, yeah. Have you got any sort of projects that you really feel proud of? Obviously, I know through your, your, your websites and that, you are dealing with a lot of clients across both both companies. Yeah, yeah, Is there yeah. anything that stands out that you particularly feel proud of, the projects that you've done? Um, I, I think I've got a couple. I think if you look at the most recent one would be a prison project that you can see the, the, the video on the website. That was more around me. That challenged me to change my learning materials because a lot of the community stuff that we'd done up to then, we could go on the website and download whatever. When I sat down with HMP Walton, we, we couldn't do that. So there were a lot of constraints around what we could do with with characters that we were going to be working with. Yeah. The group in there are, are veterans, and they, they've all got obviously very complex needs, and they all mm-hmm. had individual needs as well. And we had to fit in with the constraints of the prison, being the prison. So that was a challenge for me. It was 14 weeks. It was about changing what I would normally deliver and how I would normally deliver, which I'm, I'm into. Yeah. I'm good. I'm okay with that. Um, it could have fell on its bottom, but it didn't. <laughs> so there was a lot of reflection, self-reflection into that project. Yeah. It wasn't just a case of churn it out. Another one that, that I would look at for project-wise would be a company that I've worked with for probably four to five years now um, on the corporate side mm-hmm. uh, where they're growing. Massively increasing their turnover. Not only that, they've in, they've in embraced employee engagement. They've embraced the idea of the coaching, the one to one. MD sits down and understands that we've all got lives, and right. you know his senior manager who, who who all of a sudden grows his family ends up surviving on three hours sleep <laughs> <laughs> with a newborn baby there that he's yeah. got to go on to and and put the support in place. Not necessarily to be softly, softly, but to, so that that person can be the best they can be with them. Yeah, yeah. So they're the two areas that yeah. I look at. You know, that, that prison project, for one, challenged me personally with the learning materials, but also, under, under exec, it's the, the growth element, the growth accelerator yeah. sort of yeah. work, where you can see people's lives, employing people, and, and again, I love walking into somewhere where they say, well, we've just got this job, which means we're taking on three more people. We've just pulled this contract in. We can now employ another four more people, five yeah. more people. That's the crossover between there and Max Edge. Yeah. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So is that part of the motivation then, is it as well, the challenge of maybe having to change your learning materials or problem solving within your delivery methods to yeah. different clients and that's part of the motiv- motivation? I, 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 think a big, I, I think a big motivation for anybody, I mean, look at the theories of coaching and, and all that. It's basically helping people. Yeah. You know, that's what it is. It's helping people. And yeah. It can be in different ways and different environments and different tools that are for it, but ultimately it's about helping people. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think a, lot of the, a lot of the stuff that's out there academically around coaching, it, it's a little bit dry when you look at the emotional element of sitting back and watching, watching somebody flourish. Yeah. Can you give us a breakdown of a, a general day? In your life, I mean, I've seen I've seen your diary and I've seen all the want, fluorescent pens that, want, that highlight different 
all sorts of different criteria in that yeah. book. Can you, if there is a general day in Dave Sheridan's life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you I can, give us a breakdown? I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. It's, uh, it's quite humorous at times, and, and I think that's part of, of, I think the work that I do. You know, there's 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 delivery methods that that you can look at where, and you go back to the youth work training with the red coat earlier where you. You, you let your personality go and you're okay mm -hmm. with it whatever I think th there's definitely times in the day when I'd switch that so let's have a look let's think about dragging yourself out of bed probably around around 6 o'clock in the morning right. or usually getting woke up by a 5 year old getting, <laughs> getting hit in the face with a teddy that's usually that's usually a good way of doing it I look at the time that I'm in control of a lot of the times that I'm in control of is early mornings mm -hmm. so so I'm, I'm up probably 6 o'clock average morning and then I'll I'll train Right. So I'll go and train with uh, with Gaz. I'll do probably an hour where I can do the de-stress stuff, do the mindfulness stuff. Yeah. He sticks the boom boom music on, and I can just get away and start the day with her. Showered, changed. That can then change. I can be going over to a corporate in the construction industry, delivering a workshop. I could be going into a football club with a coach, sitting down looking at team dynamics and groups. Um, for 14 weeks, I was getting in my car and driving over to Walton Prison, um, getting checked in, doing stuff like that. Travel, for me, is important. I do spend a lot of time in my car. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to spend less time in my car through technology. So I've introduced the idea of coaching online and, and various stuff like that, purely because it's dead time. Yeah. You know, so... So, so I think there's, there's going to be points in the day where I will either come back to my office and I'll do some coaching online, either in this country or abroad, or I'll be physically sitting in front of people. I know uh, with our previous conversations, my, my Starbucks office yeah. is quite... Uh, is, is, <laughs> Utilised. Is, is yeah. Yes, so, so the coffee shop system... Is the that's it's an informal environment for people who wanna don't want to necessarily disclose the, the anything confidential yeah. or yeah. but it's the, the it is the I mean the the twenty four hour Starbucks areas are, are quite well utilised in my diary let's put it that way mm. but a client needs to me at six o'clock because they're going into a meeting at eight o'clock or they're doing a presentation at nine I can do that you know and it's and it's all I'm I'm quite okay with that yeah so it's about flexibility. Yeah. Um, after four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock, depending what time you want to do when you say you finish. Um, I've just took up a new hobby, which I think is important to me. So I've always had that hobby in between. And then I've got my family. So if it's quarter past three and I'm picking, picking my son up, mm -hmm. I then switch off and, and I'm back to being in dad mode. My wife supports me massively when you look at um, not finishing at quarter past three because that's not realistic sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So when I am with him, and I make sure I like I like doing the bed and the two stories and the little song before he goes mm. to bed. Yeah. So that's important. And then really, I think there's an element of relaxing then and chilling and getting away from the the roles that I've done. Uh, I tend to sacrifice my Sunday evenings for planning my week. Yeah. So that I get that during the week. So I'm not sitting down at seven o'clock in the evening thinking about what am I doing tomorrow. I do it all on a Sunday evening. Yeah. Rather than watching. Paul Dark and all that stuff. <laughs> you know the things that, that you might be into, but I don't know. Yeah. But, but it's, I'm it's, not. I'm not. Right. Okay. okay. <laughs> but but I think that's that's important to me that that yeah. time it's time management again. Yeah. That's my sacrifice list. Yeah. Um, son's in bed at seven. I sit down two or three hours. I'll do informal texts to clients, make sure everything's all right for the following week. Yeah. 
I'll check through some of the learning materials. I'll have a look at stuff. So I'm I'm planning on the Sunday evening, and then I'm okay. Yeah, but you've got to have that time management, aren't you? And it's about the depth of time rather than Massive. how long you spend. The width of time. I, I know we've spoke about it before, but yeah. with the work ethic that you've got, you could you could be guilty of putting in like 12, 13 hour days, couldn't you? But you've got to you've got to separate that family time with the work time. Yes. And then it's like you said, the depth of time. Yes. Quality of time. And I think the burnout's important. I know now on that type of a routine, you're looking at nine to 10, 11 weeks. Anything more than that, you end up burning out. So yeah. I plan time away. I mean, my wife's very good at that. Yeah. Get, it's not necessarily away as in out the house and stuff, but just me away from the uh, from from the work environment. I'm, I'm the bloke who, who, as soon as I finish at week, I never want to watch. So if I go out for a drink and go out for a, a pint and the nights, I never want to watch. So yeah. I don't even know what time it is because that's my way of de-stressing. Yeah. All the time, day in, day out, I'm looking at... When I'm with a client, I've got to look how long I'm with them. Then I've got to think about the care journey, factor in the traffic mm. yeah. to the next appointment so that you're professional and you're not five minutes late. So it's... I'm the type of guy who's going to be 10 minutes early and sitting in my car rather than five minutes yeah, late. Yeah, definitely, yeah. So I think there's a lot of that. So the effect that has on me is that... Um, and it's quite humorous, this, because Katie says I'm like a puppy at times. When I've not got my watch on, I'm just walking around in the days on <laughs> the weekend and I'm just like, yeah. And she's like, are we having any lunch? What time? I'm going to clear what time it is. So that's how it manifests itself yeah, for me. Yeah. I'll get in the car, we'll go to the beach and I just don't got a clear what time it is. I don't know what, what's going on. That's my way of, of looking at it really, yeah. and coping with it. A lot of freedom, isn't there? Not having a watch on on a weekend. And it's important to me that yeah. you know, that, that yeah. I can then so-called get back on the horse Sunday evening and I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm okay. It's that reset, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Definitely. So we've looked at where you are now. I want, what I want to do now is sort of look a little bit about you growing up and what sort of made you into the person who you are now. And we know you've got a sportive background with yeah. karate and, and rugby. Yeah. Just talk a little bit about that and what you think that gave you. Making I think, you I think a, a, big part of, a big part of me has always been the sporting environment. Didn't really, if I'm beyond it, if I'm honest, get a lot out of school, didn't really like school. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only years later when you take on education at degree level that you look at, and what did me head in at the age of probably between 8 and 11, and probably 8 and 16 if I think about it, but more 8 and 11, is the way I was brought up. My mum would always say to me, don't do that and give me a reason. So I would always be like, it wasn't just a case of just do as I say. Yeah. Do as you're told. It was more around, don't get in that fire because you're going to get burnt and you're going to hurt yourself. And then it'll be, it'll ramp up then. <laughs> it was like, don't get in that fire because you're going to... So, 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 but I always had a reason for doing things. Yeah. And what she instilled into me, both my mum and my dad, was you've got to, don't just do things, do them for a reason. So when I went to school and somebody said to me, don't talk. And I go, well, why? And they go, because I said, it's not yeah. what you do here. They wouldn't tell me why, really. They didn't explain why, yeah. which frustrated me. Don't go down that corridor. You know, it's like, you can't go down that corridor. They never explained why. Later on, I understood why, because it was like, it was a science corridor, and the vitamin chemicals around. Yeah. You're okay with that. But actually me going, no, don't go down that, that's a challenge then. So I was one of the ones <laughs> who'd run down the corridor. We used to call it Death Valley. <laughs> But I, I, that's that's the mischievousness and, and the challenging bit yeah, in me yeah. that was that was born out, born out of frustration. I think more than it. So the the school environment didn't really suit me, and then I went to a display one day, uh, a, a local field day, and seen a karate display. So a lot of blokes in, blokes in pajamas breaking wood, and I was like, oh, that's good. I enjoy that. I was alright. Turned up, 
um, probably at the age of 11, 10, 11, uh, and found a skill that I never thought I had. I was getting praised for something that I was getting told off for at school, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. And then round about the same age, boundless amount of energy, sitting in a classroom wasn't good for me. Uh, and so I, I started rugby as well. So started uh, under 11s, but I started 12 months younger. Mm. So I think that side of me, I've always been around individuals offering advice in a sporting environment that I, I, I pulled from yeah. and I could see in my own life all the way through to probably excelling at, at the martial arts and, and doing all the stuff that I've done. But I think that is the main influence in me when you look at um, both male and female characters I've had around me yeah. who have given me meaning in life. Have a look at this, Dave. Try this, Dave. What the benefits of this, Dave? Th those critical questions yeah. of why you do things that not everybody goes through. Mm. Rather than somebody telling you to do something with no depth <laughs> and going, well, because I said. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it's like another example in my working life has always been health and safety. You know what I mean? In an education establishment, they'll say, don't do that. Why is that? Health and safety. When you dig a bit deeper, then you're being a little bit challenging and going, well, can you tell me what part of health and safety? <laughs> More majority of people can't because they just say health and safety. Yeah. That's just one humorous example. You know what I mean? Of, yeah, yeah. Triggers and things people will say in the working life that they don't realise that they're affecting other people by the lack of thought and lack of direction. Yeah. Just because it suits me, because it's easy. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It comes with like understanding it as well, doesn't it? Massive. The person who's go back to the health and safety example, but to me, you've got to understand if you're giving people instruction or giving yes. people not orders necessarily, but telling people what to do, you've got to yeah. understand the reasons why first, haven't you? And if, yeah. A bit, a big part of of early early stuff when I was when I first started competing, my instructor always said to me, "You're not you're not going competing and beating somebody else. You're competing and battling against yourself." Yeah. So if you don't win, it's your fault. So the single sport area that I've always done is if you get it wrong, you can't complain because you got it wrong. Yeah. Um, with the team sport ethic. And that's where I've got two elements of it. There's always somebody else to blame in the team, I think. Mm. Thing about you didn't do that tackle or you didn't push or you didn't do this or whatever. So the, the, the individual teams, team thing that I've done, I, I think, gave me the really strong foundation for thinking. Yeah. And being tactical, tactically thinking. So if you're going into a competition, you've got somebody with long legs, they're going to use the long legs. So therefore, you cut the legs off, and how do you cut the legs off? Yeah. Rather, and I don't mean cut the legs off like yeah, literally. But <laughs> you fight them closer in, but then you cope with the hands, which is fine. But you know why you're coping with the hands? You're cutting the legs off. There's a thought process in there that people don't necessarily know when they're watching. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily see it when they're watching. I know I'm like that as a coach. So let's go back to that prison project. I know people listening to that video. Yeah. won't understand everything that went on in the background to, to make that a success yeah. because of the changes that we had to make with all the learning material. So I don't see any difference as going into a competition, probably competing from half past ten in the morning till six o'clock at night through to the finals yeah. and needing to change my fighting techniques in order to fit the opponents, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And the better yeah. you get yeah. at it, 
the longer you stay in your competitions, yeah. um, I still do that with my work. And I think that's where it comes from when you say, you know, they're the massive influences in me. Yeah. From all the way through from the beginning with the martial arts stuff, definitely. Yeah. So when you when you had your own club, did you think that did that was you already teaching at that point? Or? Yeah, yeah. I was yeah, I was teaching. Um I was probably probably teaching from from the age of fourteen really. It was weird. And again that's where it comes from where the the um the social nerves of standing up and talking in front of class even. Yeah. I'd been doing it two years. So I'd started off with teaching beginners and I'd started off with teaching some of the downgrades and the, and the brown belts and the, the black belts that, that yeah. I was training. So, and again, that's what I mean about the different environments, how it's filtered through. Um, it's never really, it has, but I understand how to cope with the displays of, of nerves because I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's been quite. When I look at the early side of 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 influence, that's important mm-hmm. for me. When I look at through communication, you influence. At a younger age, when I was teaching and I had my own club, yeah, I was very aware that I was influencing people, not just the people in front of me. I was influencing parents who were looking at me. Yeah, I was influencing people how you conduct yourself. What kind of language you use? It's it's not as sort of sanitized as the teacher, where when you're at school, you never think your teacher does toilet or, or you know <laughs> yeah. it's very yeah. sanitized. Yeah. You know, even down to dress codes and stuff like that. It's not as that, but you're still as a, a person of responsibility. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So all the creative stuff around competitions, around running your own grading system and being firm and fair, and having that depth of somebody says, "Why didn't I pass?" You know why. Yeah. Because you can go because of A, B, C, D, and E. Oh, right, okay. Mm. Um, rather than, well, because I said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's where it comes from. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's been definitely, definitely, when I look at the, the younger elements of me and teaching, that's where I got it from. Yeah. Um, I'm trained with a lot of the Japanese masters and I'm trained with, uh, got used to language barriers as well and cultures and, yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So it's good. And I think it's that sort of being, being in uncomfortable positions on a regular basis that helps you moving forward as well, doesn't it, later Massive. on in life? Massive. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah, think you, you realise at the time. Yeah. Um, you, 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 I think it depends on the environment. And just one of the things, you know, some talk of the people you have around you. Yeah. You know, a lot of the, the people I had around me at that point, they believed in me and believed in my skill. Mm. I, I never felt that I had that skill, but people believed in me. Yeah. It was always... Either you could do better, or it was it just wasn't. You didn't fit. You don't fit here. Sorry. You know what I mean? um, so yeah, I think people's belief when you're in that position is important because you'll look at the back of you and you've got your instructor on. And I've had I've had various instructors through yeah. the years, and then coaches, as in the rugby side of it. And I've had different coaches that have brought different influences as mm-hmm. well. So I think that's important when you when you're in that zone that you've got people around you that you know. Let's fast forward it again. MD yeah. looks at me and I'm that person as a coach. Yeah. I'm that person who believes in them. I'm that person who, who, who will be there for support. Not unlimited support when it becomes fluffy clouds, but it's structured support. Mm. So that, again, is the, the relationship yeah. between. Yeah, yeah. And then going from, going from teaching into coaching, do you think that's a, a unique perspective, going from teaching and taking that into coaching? Yeah, Definitely. 
in my opinion, there's a transition for the individual there on passing information, right. which is telling somebody. And there's, a, there's a, a fine line between passing information constantly, knowing when it's going in, and understanding the non-verbal cues. Yeah. Of, and that comes down to experience. The quantity of stuff that you're putting in, down to asking the question to confirm that it's gone in, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I think I move now in the circles of asking the question to get the view, mm -hmm. rather than telling, this is what we're going to do today. So there's a lot of element, and that can be misunderstood at times. Yeah. So the, the misunderstanding can come from people, again, who have had bad experiences, where I didn't really get anything from that, because all they did was distance, and it was distance from me. Yeah. Um, or, I didn't really get anything from that, because when we were, when we were talking, it, it didn't really give me an answer. Because it was just asking the question. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's definitely a fine balance. When I meet a new client, it's like I'm going into a competition. I don't know who I'm going to fight. Mm. So I've got to be ultimately alert yeah, yeah. on their needs and what they do. And be able to adapt your, definitely. your approach. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So if there's information that I've got on my laptop and information, and, and that can come from Venn diagrams all the way through all the, the, the academic areas, I'm okay with that. But it might just be balanced with asking the question, yeah. what are you up to? What do you want? Yeah. So that they open up. And that's when you get a true experience about building relationships. Yeah. yeah. So there's depth to the questions and depth of thought, but there's also a direction and a beginning, middle and end mm -hmm. to each coaching session. Mm. The responsibility is on you, isn't it, as the, as the coach to make sure that the person is taking that, that information on board. If they're not registering that they've understood then the responsibilities we're using it to make Absolutely. sure that you are giving them the, the correct information in a way that they can, yes. they can understand it. and that can be done in different environments yeah so again that links the two together yeah so i'll i'll coach in a boxing ring because that's the environment of the of the clients yeah um i'll coach on a football rugby field i'll coach in a boardroom i'll do the 24-hour starbucks so I think for me that's important that the environment's right for the clients. Yeah. That's not me. I'm okay. Mm -hmm. I do. I, I, I don't know how unique that is. Let's put it that way. I know there are certain certain characters out there who yeah. just would go in one area and one environment that suits them. Yeah. And they're putting a label on themselves saying that they're a coach. Yeah. Um, I, I've never done that. Yeah. So I think we want to move now to sort of what's going on in the future for Dave Sheridan. Then where does the future maybe? <laughs> Maybe five, ten years down the line, where do you where do you sort of see yourself? I'm not sure to be honest, because probably at 26 I, de I developed asthma, <laughs> and that's been a massive challenge for me. Mm. So probably twice a year, I, d I do have sort of asthma attacks, lapses of asthma, the temperature side of it. So I know that um, looking after myself and the well-being side of it is very, very important when you yeah. look at that time scale. I know that the the the, the preparation and the medication that I'm on, uh, it's a self-management thing and I'm okay with it. Business-wise, I think with exec, a lot of my referrals now are coming via clients that I've worked with. Mm -hmm. Example was last Friday, I got a phone call from somebody I haven't worked with for four years. Dave, can you come and do this for us? Can you come and have a look at this? Are you still doing what you're doing? I've been on your website, I'm having a look. Yeah. So again, that, can, that evolves. 
I think with with Max Edge it'll be slightly different. Um, with Exec, other than than Keith, that's on my website, they they want me. So I've grown from opening Exec and clients want me. Yeah. To introducing Keith and growing that way. With Max Edge, it's different. With Max Edge, we've structured stuff where they don't necessarily want Dave Sheridan. Right. So so I've got various, when you go on the website, there's like fitness instructors, there's different members of staff, coaches, mentors that, that I'm working with who can go and deliver. Right. What that does, that promotes growth. So there's only one of me. Yeah. I think that's important to have different, because obviously your style would be different to somebody else's style in delivering that. I think that's important well, to I'm have not, that. I'm that not insecure about that. Right. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I think it's, and that's that's important, important, that's it? massively yeah. important. So, so when I sit down with the clients, it mightn't be, I mightn't be right for them. Yeah. You know, I worked in two different environments and the home office was a classic one where people would go in meetings and go, I can't work with that young person. It, it's just not working. Yeah. And it's seen as a strength to sit there and go, it ain't working. I can't work with them because I'm pushing their buttons without, and they're pushing my buttons yeah. and what, so let's try another different member of staff to get the best for the young person. When I look in other environments that I've been in, it's seen as a weakness. It's like, <laughs> don't, you can do everything. Don't yeah. even turn around and say you can't do something. So again, for me, in my background, that's what I've learned. Yeah. So I, I need different characters around me and Max Edge to, to communicate effectively with clients, depending, going back to the fighting analysis, what, what fight I'm going into. Yeah. So I'll highlight different coaches with different personalities, with different delivery methods. That's important that I do that we do that. Yeah, it's an important mindset to have in it. Growth mindset rather than a fixed one, saying, "Well, it's me or me only." Yes. Well, what you end up doing, doing there from a business point of view is you you put a cap on your earnings. To be honest, yeah. you know you put a cap on your earnings. There's only mm. so much you can do in a day, so many days in a week, and rather than doing fourteen hour shifts, if you if you're pulling, but again you're helping people. Yeah. You know, so some of the coaches that I've worked with over the years, you turn around to them and say, do you fancy a six-month contract doing da-da-da-da-da? They're made up because you're helping them. Yeah. You know, you're offering them opportunities because I've been there. And that's important to me as well. Yeah. So an important question, what I really wanted to, to ask you today is, who coaches the coach? <laughs> oh, in a, in a formal sense, I have two coaches. Right. That I formally sort of pay. Um, two different characters completely. Mm-hmm. I have one who is classed as a business coach. So I class him as a business coach, but what he gives me is purely figures. So, how long are sessions? How much am I charging? What brackets am I working into? More in the corporate area. Right. Quite dry, but very structured around where I'm going with my business. What, what type of turnover I'm looking at. Not the effect of it. Right. What is it that I want? So, so I, I see that as a, a terminology of a business, the, the business element of it. And I need that. Is that done on a one-to-one basis? Is it in yes. person or the Skype? Or? No, 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 I do that on a one-to-one right. basis. Um, I'm very sort of touchy-feely tactile. You yeah. know what I mean? So I think that's important for me that I, I, I do that. I have also got another coach that I work with purely on lifestyle. So, so 
So she sits there and says to me, how's the family? Are you spending too much time at work? Yeah. Um, all these sessions that you're doing, are they balanced for you? Is your pricing structure fitting your individual need? So can you sit down with somebody who's only got 25 quid and coach them yeah. and be in, in the zone with it? Or are you going to go, no, I can't do that because I, I need to earn, I've got to have the mortgage and I've got to have this and I've got to have that. Equally, are you going to base your business around that 25 quid client? So so that's a completely different coaching method. Yeah. I get asked really like both ends of the spectrum, isn't it? Massive. One's like almost logical, very objective. The other side's the holistic, subjective type yes. approach. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and I've, I've found that as I've grown exec and I've opened Max Edge, that I need those both both those perspectives usually once a quarter. Yeah. And then what I'll do, I'll set myself off with my wellies and, <laughs> and, and whatever, quietly for half a day on my own. Yeah. Um, and I'll reflect. You know, I'll reflect. Um, I also have a couple of mentors that I, that I bounce off. And, and I think that I use the mentors, the, the, the people I'm speaking about, more around creativity mm-hmm. to stimulate that, stimulate that creativity. Yeah. They're from different walks of life. They're not all, they've not all got a badge, you know. They're, they're yeah. not. They're, they've been to they're, a lot of them. Have, I've known them a long time. They just give you that unique perspective outside yes. the box thinking, that kind of thing. Yes, yeah. and and I think as well, going back to that question you just asked, what do you want to be in five, ten years? When I say I don't know, I've got to ask me what. Yeah. That's where they come in. They they they're invaluable. So I get asked the question again. Um, how big do you want Max Edge to go? What different areas do you want to move into? Do you want to move into elderly care? Do you want to move into disabilities? Do you want to move into uh, young people? Um, do you want to have all the charities? And that, again, ends up going off like a bottle of pop in yeah, my head. Yeah. The corporate element. Um, do you want to stick with these two or three corporates? Uh, do, do you want to move on? Do you want to be looking at higher, bigger banks, um, finance? Yeah. How do you get into that? What do you want to do? So there's, a, there's an element of creativity it's probably three to six months in front with those people right and then I'll sit down with me me cold harsh and he, and he won't mind me saying he's cold and harsh <laughs> me cold harsh business coach he'll yeah. go yeah but what are you going to charge them with that for the mortgage will that be okay with that will that be okay with that yeah. and then I'll sit down with me life coach and go well is that how okay to going to feel with that and your son yeah. will you still going to get your weekends are you going to change that and work that through yeah. and does that make sense yeah. coming across it's almost like a triangle. Yeah. It's that ecology check in it, so make sure oh. all your decisions to do your work fit in with your your wife, your spouse, your kids, your environment, yes. your friends, your family. Yes. Yeah. yes. So it's not just them goals for yourself. You need to address that. You know how they fit in with everything else that goes on in your life. Yes, and yeah. I, and I think the, the the pressure side of it as well. You know, looking at um, coping with pressures, making sure you're aligned. You've got your head and your body in the same place. Yeah. So when I am in work, I'm in work. Yeah. If I'm in max edge on exec, when I'm in work, I'm in work. Yeah. And when I'm at home, I'm at home, and I'm dead. So in each different situation you're present, aren't you? You're in that. You're not thinking yes. about what you're going on to. When you're ever, when you, if you sat with a client, you're with that client, aren't you? In that moment, yes. For however long you need to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the same as when you, when you're with um, your your wife and kid, you're in that moment with them, yes. aren't you? That depth of time, like we spoke about before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As well as the coaches, I know we're both massive readers, aren't we? Of all sorts of different, yeah, yeah, yeah. unique subjects, shall we say. <laughs> what are some of the, the books that have helped you along along the way? Or books that you'd recommend? I've thought about this, and, and, and um, I think, again, purely because of the time in my life that, that I was at, I started reading Dan Millman. Uh, Dan Millman, for me, 
the Peaceful Warrior and that right. series of books. It was a, a personal period of time where sadly my dad was ill. Um, and during that trilogy of books, he sadly passed away. Right. So I think I got a lot from that area. And I think as well it confirmed about that living in the moment thing. And, and it's very informally written. It's not, it's not academically dry, if yeah. that makes sense. I know me and you have both read books that are potentially looked at and go a little bit academically dry. Yeah. But it, it's it's almost like light reading, but you've got to look into it and see the see the meaning the deeper, of it. The deeper side. The deeper it, yeah. side of it, yeah, definitely. So that's that's one of the series of books that mm. I'd recommend. Any other books that come to mind? I've done a, I've done a couple of uh, Jeff Thompson books. Right. You know, um, started off relationship with Jeff Thompson reading wise with the What's My Back with the, uh, mm. the just, just explain a little bit about who Jeff Thompson is Jeff Thompson's a martial artist very well known martial artist in, in, in the areas his his story is, is um, to be an author and he was one of the first ones to pressure pressure test the martial arts yeah yeah yeah. all the different techniques whether they yes. actually worked for real yes so when you read his book and working in a factory and doing what he was doing he wanted to be an author I think Writing a novel on the back of, of, of a notebook is understanding from his point of view that he is an author. Yeah. It, people will confirm it, but you've got to know first that you are. So there was that element of it. Again, that there was synergy with me with that, with, mm -hmm. with the confrontation and the, the martial arts bit and whatever. But for me, yeah, there's the fear, coping with fear, the theories behind coping with fear. Yeah. And there was one... Uh, one. He has a fear is the friend of exceptional people. Yes, yes. It's um, it's all like saying it. It's yeah. different doing it. Yeah. And I think that again comes from having the people around you to get you through it. But I, I one that sticks in my end, my head is the elephant and the twig. Right. Wrote, yeah. Which is um, a metaphor for how how people sort of train elephants. Yeah. And tie into a twig, and as a, as a young person, and they've got them barriers still there yes, when they get yes. older. Yeah. So the perception is that the x amount of ton elephants you can control with a stick in the ground. Because mm. it just stops. Then you go back to the metaphor of what is your stick in the ground? What stops you? What yeah. you're living? So, so that was quite that was yeah. quite good for me. No, a good set of books then. Yeah. Yeah, 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 good. So, what would be the best advice you've ever been told, then, or best advice you've ever been given? Whether that be by the people who utilise as coaches, whether it's something you've read, or whether it's yeah. growing up. I've thought about this one, and I think I'm gonna take I'm gonna take you back. Nothing like that, really. It's it's it, I'm gonna take you back to. Uh, on a beach in Port Maddock, right. one April. Um, my birthday's in April. So when we used to, go on, we used to do um, big courses on Black Rock Sands in Port Maddock. And the lads that were from Sheffield, from Birmingham, we all used to come together and do courses. And there'd be 180, 200 people on all the courses. And we used to train in the, on the beach and in the sea and, and do all the stuff. And, and you're talking, you're going about 20 odd years now. Right. It's quite funny, really, because the, the instructor at the time, John Flair, was a very, um, very intelligent man. I learnt a lot from John. And I was only a young guy then. Mm -hmm. With my birthday being in April, um, they just loved throwing me at sea, which is funny. Um, so it was all, let's get all the Dave and throw him at sea, yeah. and that's his, that's his birthday present from us. So every year on my birthday, I got thrown in the sea at Black Rock Sands. But one of the, one of the uh, training sessions in the morning, um, we had an advanced session that was... Uh, third Dan and above, third Black Belt and above, right. and there was ten of us in there. And we were all the instructors, and John basically just shouted to us to just lie down. 
on, on the sand. So we ended up lying down on our backs, and he just said, "Open your eyes quick." Um, what did you see? I don't know. It's clouds there, obviously, yeah. for clouds. But his main point that has stuck with me for a long time is um, there was a plane going across, leaving a vapor trail. And he said, what do you see about that? Um, and we had various questions and answers through it. And we're all lying, must have been really good to look at, because we're all lying on our backs, yeah. looking up. And he was like, we were going into an, a, 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 an arena where we were, we were growing as clubs. And his, his, his metaphor for it was success. You know, and he said, the, the plane, everybody sees the plane. Everybody sees the, the vision flying forward. Yeah. Just be careful of the vapour trail. And in his head, the vapour trail uh, were all the angers on. Right. All the people who wanted to be. All the characters who came out of the woodwork who wanted to come and watch you if you were competing. Rather than get in and compete with you, and that stuck with me. That really, his his metaphor that morning stuck with me for a long time. Around success, I'll go into a corporate client now, and I look at the client as the plane, mm-hmm. and then I look at the vapor trail around them. Right, and they'll have vapor trails, and they'll be characters. So how do you manage that? Is it a case of I don't know, delete numbers from your phone, cut people off from who's not maybe um, being constructive to you, or? I think it, it's a, it's very very difficult. I know I've been uh, personally myself, and I don't mind saying it on this podcast. I, I, I've I've come unstuck with it mm-hmm. because I think as people go back to, you, to to the rugby days when you were winning, everybody you know you go out on a Saturday night with the lads and there was yeah. vapor trails everywhere. Yeah. It was the characters who wanted to be stood at the side of you, or whatever, because you you just want to a Lancashire Cup final or whatever. Um, when I went into the competing on the individual sport, um, I challenged myself to a point where I'd never take anybody with me. I'd just go and compete. Right. I'd go to a competition. I'd either come back with a trophy or whatever, but and I'd show it to my mum and dad. I've always done that. Um, but I would eat. I, I, would, I wouldn't have the vapor trail around me. Yeah. I think as my business has grown, I'm aware of of that that people's perceptions of how they see people's success. Yeah. So when I'm going into clients who are inherently wealthy, um, financially stable to find, they will always have a vapor trail. Yeah. So I think that's that's always stayed with me really. Yeah. And I'm always very conscious now of, of um, when I'm doing seminars or when we're doing workshops or when if I'm going meeting a new client, I'm aware of either the vapor trail around them or potentially yeah. the vapor trail, what they think is around me. Yeah. You know, which looks at on the periphery. The distractions, yeah. you know, that can happen. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do you define success? Well, again, sat with one of my mentors only two weeks ago. I think we've already mentioned it. Freedom. Yeah. Freedom for me is success. You know, we've, we've got to be honest enough to understand that if you want a family and a quality of life, there's going to be cash involved and there's yeah. going to be finance, finance elements of skills as there is with any walk of life, from an accountant to a solicitor to a bricklayer. I'm aware of that. I think there are areas that you can chase the pound coin and you can do a lot of travelling and you can work in a lot of areas, but you lose the balance with your family. Yeah, nothing happens in isolation, does it? No. So if you're chasing that pound, it's going to have an effect Definitely. somewhere on that, somewhere in yes. your life. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so 
I think for me that's um, that's been really important. Yeah. When I look at that that area. Yeah. And what advice would you give to the twenty year old Dave Sheridan? <laughs> I'm not going to say don't drink. I'm not <laughs> going to say don't enjoy your food. Um, I, I would I would love to. Part of me says, and it's a cliche. Part of me says, not a lot because. I think I'm the sum total of my experiences yeah. now. Um, we can all do that. I mean, that's a bit of a cop-out as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I wouldn't undo that one with you. Um, I, I think just be just be conscious of the very betrayal that I spoke about. Yeah. That you're true to yourself. I think, when, that's when important. You, I think that's important just even as, as an exercise on reflection, looking yeah. at who you've got around you. Yes. And not be frightened of, of, um, of change and movement. Yeah. Um, Again, some of the stuff that I'll do as a coach will be there are reasons why people in your past are not in your future. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, you, you can outgrow people. Mm. You can outgrow situations. Um, I don't mean you spoke about mood hoovers. and yeah. You'll come across characters in your life who... It isn't right or it's wrong. That's the way they function. And, and a lot of the times it's about accepting them for who they are and what they are. Yeah. Without them being sick all over you. You know, and, yeah. I, and I think I think a lot of the times with coaching, um, there's an element of that where you, you need to put it in your life and you need to look at the people around you. I've learned so much in the last ten years while I've been self-employed. Yeah. Um, around the focus, yes, around the finance element, but also around the vapor trail as well. Yeah. Quite weirdly, I've got a lot less people around me now than I had when I was employed. For the better or for the worse? For the better. For the better. For the better. Because I choose to have people around me now, whereas when you're employed, you don't. Yeah. And that's not disrespect to anybody that I've ever worked with. You know, I've, I've made a lot of friends. But it lose, you lose focus. Mm. You lose focus with it. And I've been able to, last probably 10 years, really focus in on what I want and the creativity yeah. of where I want to go and what I want to do and the projects and what I need to do to express myself mm. rather than be in a box or in a, in a job role or a job description or whatever you know yeah yeah no that's great it's been great talking to you this morning how can people get hold of you if they want to sort of check out any work that you're doing or contact you for maybe a coaching session um, I, I use the websites as the as a as a business card we're, we're looking at um, revamping the exec site because that's quite old at present yeah. but when you look at the I, I always direct people towards the sites because we've just gone through a, um, a building phase for Max Edge so when you go on that site, which is www.maximumedge.org.uk, um, when we look at that, there's the projects, there's the lifestyle management, you can see the sporty element, you can see how generic it is. Um, yeah. There's also some of the um, testimonies and the videos and the podcasts. When you look at exec site, which is solutions for you, meaning number four and letter U, you.co.uk, <laughs> That is more, I direct people more to that site to show diversity. Yeah. So you look at the, um, the testimonies on there go from people who have worked in banks and finances through to prison officers, through to writers, right. through to various different bonkers areas that I look at that I've worked <laughs> with, which shows where you're taking the skill. Yeah. When you put the two together, if you were going to look at them both as a book, one page either side, I would always ask the question, is it the same guy behind it all? Because there's so little difference. Yeah. But the, yeah. it is. Yeah. It is. 
you know, and there's not just me, there's other people, but it is, it's the creativity yeah. of that. Yeah. It's from a different environment. So that's how people, the phone numbers are on the, the mobile numbers on the, the yeah. you know, the contact me stuff. I'm quite accessible, very accessible, as you guys before and stuff. So if anybody needs anything, please give us a buzz. Awesome. Thanks for that, mate. No Cheers. Thank you.